0: Man, we want to thank you guys for tuning in with us online uh, at New Life Church of Mobile. We're celebrating our three-year anniversary this morning. And man, we're so honored that you tuned in with us uh, today. And man, we have such beautiful faces in the room. And today is a special day because we have Pastor Wayne Brown in the house this morning. For you that don't know, Pastor Wayne is, a, is the executive pastor at Bethany Church in Baton Rouge, and he's tomorrow now as pastor. And not only is he our pastor, but we go way back. We go way back, and just and I don't want to uh, embarrass you this morning, but I do want to highlight you this morning. <laughs> and it goes all the way back to, I remember, I may have, some of you may have heard me share this story before. I remember in middle school. Pastor Wayne preached a message on Esther, and he was so passionate about preaching that message on Esther, for the first time in my life, I said, you know what, I need to read my Bible, because I have never seen anyone as passionate about sharing the Bible as he was that that day, and you know what, that resonated with me, and I wish I would say that I stayed the course and lived a Christian life up until that point, but I didn't and I straight away. But in August of 2004, when I got saved, guess who was still serving faithfully in the local church? It was Pastor Wayne. And I know everybody says when you look up the the uh, a, a word in the dictionary and you see a person's face there, you'll see their face. Well, I'm telling you, if you see if you look up the word loyalty, consistency, faithfulness, trustworthiness, uh all those things, his face will be right there. And ever since I've been saved, almost every major milestone in my life, he's been a part of. I just begin to recall that. He was there when I, on my first encounter. I remember he was there. When I got uh, introduced to ministry and I got plugged in, guess who was there? Pastor Wayne was there. When I first had my first opportunity in ministry, guess who was there? Pastor Wayne. And I remember he gave me a word of advice that I don't even remember. If you remember this conversation that you told me, he was like, if I could give you one piece of advice when it comes to ministry, it would be you need to have a drive. It's like you need to have a drive for ministry to get things done, to say, I don't know what everybody else is doing. But when it comes to an assignment that the Lord has given me, I'm going to move it forward. And I'm telling you, if you know him, nobody gets things done like Pastor Wayne. He knows how to move the ball down the field, and he—it's easy to do it because he models it so well. And you can see it over his life. The Lord has in, increased his influence to a global impact. Not as he just making an impact in the local church; he's making a global impact because of his faithfulness and his consistency of the man of God that he's been for years. And he's always been a pillar in my life. You know, when Tamara and I got married, guess who married us? Pastor Wayne. Right here on this stage, on August 18th, it'll be 11 years where we stood here, and he married us, and we went through marriage counseling, uh, premarital counseling with he and his wife, uh, Cece, and um, I remember doing the premarital counseling. He gave me another word of advice. He said, Mario, you're going to have to talk. You're going to have to open up your mouth and talk because tomorrow likes to talk. You're going to have to talk to her. And I said, yes, sir, I'm going I'm to work on that. I'm going I'm to talk, and I did. And he encouraged me. He believed in me. Tamara and I as well. I can't can't remember another person, as far as ministry-wise, that has believed in us as much as you have. And I just want to say thank you. Because when you step into ministry, first of all, you don't know what you're doing. But it helps to have people in your corner that believe in you. And you've been there every single step of the way. When we were ordained as pastors, guess who was there to pray over us? You were there. When we were stepped and ordained here, uh, not ordained, but installed here as pastors, guess who was here to pray over us? Pastor Wayne. He's always been there, a model of consistency that I can look to in my life. And I'm so thankful for your example. So, uh, New Life Church, why don't you stand to your feet? Why don't you all give a great, great round of applause as we welcome Pastor Wayne as he shares the word.
1: Awesome. You may be seated presence of God. Man, it is good to be in Mobile, Alabama. Yes. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) This is God's country, huh? My gosh. Wow. Well, you said that you didn't mean to embarrass me, but you did, Pastor Mario. Man, I'm honored. I'm just, I really am honored to be able to um to be here and really to be a, uh, just a part of the journey um, in the span's life it's been it's been amazing it's been amazing to watch what the Lord has done in them and um I've it's I don't know if I was around intentionally all the time. I was just glad to be around <laughs> and to be honored to be able to, you know, oftentimes they invited me to be around, and I was just so grateful that they would. Even when they asked me to do their wedding, I was just honored to be able to do it. And um, I'm so grateful to be able to do that. And the reason why is because they're great people. They really are. They're they're fantastic people. The, the thing I like about Pastor Mario and tomorrow is that the people they are, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that today, the people that they are in public or on the microphone and around like Pastor Mario and tomorrow, that's the same people they are outside of that. Right? You go grab some coffee with them and you go talk to them and they're the same people, right? They don't put on a show. They don't they don't act like one way and become super spiritual one way and then, you know, different the other. They're the same people. They love each other. They love their beautiful daughter and and they and they love you guys. They really do. And so you guys are are really, really, really fortunate to have Pastor Mario and tomorrow. I think you ought to put your hands together and thank God for your pastors. <laughs> now that was pretty good, but I'm gonna give you another opportunity in just a moment. And the reason why I'm gonna give you another opportunity, it's not because I'm trying to embarrass them, it's because, like Pastor Mario and tomorrow Pastor Mario said earlier. I do get an opportunity to travel, and I do get an opportunity to uh, work with other churches. I actually am the director of our network at our church, and um, so we get a lot of opportunities to connect with other pastors and other churches and watch things, and there's a lot of good pastors out there, a lot of pastors that probably shouldn't be pastors that's out there, but you guys really do. And I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart. You guys really do by experience. I've been in ministry for 20 plus years. You guys have not good pastors, but great pastors. So I'm going to give you one more chance to give your pastors another big hand. Yeah, that's awesome. That's right. That's right. The Bible says give honor where honor is due. And, um, and they deserve it. I can sit here for the next 35 minutes and talk about Pastor Mara and tomorrow because we go so far back. But I want to, I know you came for the Word of God. I also want to honor Pastor Tawana. Thank you so much for your life and, and who you are. You're such a model of integrity and stability. Thank you. Thank you for always being who you are. The last time I was here after church, we went by her home and had lunch, and it was some of the best food I ever ate. I was telling John about it. We're on our way over here, and and I was saying, Well, last time I was here, we went by, ooh, Pastor Tawana's house and ate some food. Lord have mercy. They told me today we're not going by there, and I was like, <laughs> I wasn't real sure if I wanted to come. <laughs> but um, praise God, it was so good. Thank God for all the elders and and, and leadership team here as well um, that have been here for many years and have built this church. And I know uh, Pastor Mario and Tamara and everybody, we're standing on the shoulders of you guys who have built this church. And um, thank you for a church that is not in debt, a church that's paid off. Come on, you ought to be thankful for something like that. That's not common, guys. It's not. And I thank God for the elders and the leadership of the church, Elder Tony, Elder um, Joe. Elder Joe, I heard, they told me last night, you prayed the house down the other day. And I was like, come on now, that's awesome. Um, That's so great. And finally, before I get into the word of God, I I, I thank God for this community, this community of people, uh, New Life of Mobile Church. Uh, I honor you. I thank God for you. And I know you may not know me, but I keep up with you guys very closely and and as I talk to Pastor Mario and Tamar and just about what all the good things that God is doing here, they just such a huge joy in their heart about how God is connecting through life groups and through prayer on Wednesday nights and all the things that are happening. There's so many great things that's happening. And that's what today is about. Today is a celebration of you and what God has done over the last three years and how you guys have connected. And so, again, I'm so privileged and honored to be a part. And for those that are watching online, listen, I'm telling you, you've been watching online. You ought to come to church. Um, There's some great things happening here. There's some great, amazing, amazing people here. And so, again, I'm honored to be a part. You know, the, as I was getting ready to, as I was thinking about this being the third anniversary, you know the number three is so significant in the Bible, right? It's so significant. Um, it's used so many times, hundreds of times in the Bible, and what the number three represents primarily represents a lot of things, but it represents wholeness, completeness, and perfection. If you look up what the number three represents, it represents wholeness, completeness, and perfection. And, and what the Lord began to say to me about new life, and this is not my, my message, but the Lord just shared to me about this church is that over the last three years, you guys have been building and you've been working and you have come into a place of wholeness, completion. There is a, a connection that's taking place. But the Lord spoke to me this morning in my hotel room. He said, there was a shift taking place in this church. There's a shift. There's been building up to this point, but you guys are starting to shift into multiplication. And you guys are going to begin to grow and see God do some things like you've never seen before. And you're going to walk in and you're going to go, what is going on up in here? Who is that? I've never met that family. What is happening up in here? And it's because something has happened. you reached three, and it's been wholeness, completeness, perfection. And now something is shifting into this fourth year. And I'm telling you, I'm excited to come back next year and see what God is doing. Come on, somebody ought to put their hands together and thank God for what he's doing at New Life Church of Mobile. And so I'm pumped. I'm so thrilled. Now, I do have a word for you today, and I am going to share it. I'm going to pray. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn into Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, and we're going to read verse five and six. Matthew chapter six, verse five and six. But we're going to pray first. I want you to go ahead and get there. We're going to get to new, uh, get there in just a moment. But let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. Thank you for. Just being here, your presence, God, your presence was here awesome in an awesome way doing worship. Thank you for the team that led today, God, and and just brought the presence of God here. And God, I pray, Father, that you would speak through me to your people, God, with clarity. And God, I pray, Father, that it would produce a fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold that you may get all of the glory and all of the praise. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. And God, let the Tigers beat Alabama in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen? No, no, no agreement there. No agreement. No agreement. I'm going to be preaching to you a message entitled, if you're taking notes, you can go ahead and write this down. If you're not, go ahead and write this down. The title of the message is Behind Closed Doors. Behind Closed Doors. Behind Closed Doors. During this message, I'm going to be very transparent with you. I'm going to tell you probably multiple stories about myself. We're going to, we're going to be good friends when this thing is all over with. You're going to feel like, we, like you've got my number when this thing is over with. Because I'm just going to share because, you know, what the Lord has done in my life, I'm open about it. And I'm, I don't mind talking about myself because I've lived with myself all of my life. And so I will share stories about myself. And one of the things I will share is kind of how I grew up. I grew up. Um, I have two brothers. It was just me and my two brothers, and my mom and dad. And so it was just boys, no sisters in the house. My mom was the only lady in the house. And she liked basketball, and we watched basketball, we played basketball, we played baseball, we played football, we skinned our knees up. I mean, we were just boys. I mean, we were boys. We stayed out in the house. We didn't have a lot of video games. We don't know about all that stuff growing up. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Like, we were the type of boys that went out the house early in the morning, and my mom wouldn't let us in until later on that evening, right? <laughs> Just put out a bottle of water on the stump and just say, drink that. Don't be coming in and out of my house letting the air out. Come on. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? We were those boys. I mean, we played. We played, had a great time. We skinned up our knees. We just, it was awesome. We were great. And we did that all the way through high school. I mean, I was just just a boy. I was a boy's boy. And um, there were some things I liked, and, and and I liked girls. every I mean, I was a boy. But, um, There was one thing about me that I probably didn't want all the other fellas to know, okay? Because there's some things about you that sometimes you don't want people to know about you. And so one of the things that I didn't want the fellas to know is that I used to like to watch Young and the Restless. (laughs) Look, I see some of you judging me already. But if we were to take a poll in here, some of you still watch Young and the Restless, no, I'm serious, I, because I, I in Baton Rouge, when I was a teenager growing up, it came on at four o'clock on CBS. And so I would go to school, I would come home, grab me a snack, and sit down and watch Young the Restless. And oh, I knew about Victor and Ashley and Jill and Miss Chancellor and Rex, I knew about all of them. I watched it faithfully every single day, Monday through Friday, I watched it. I watched it so much that even when I went to college, I scheduled my classes around Young and the Wrestlers. <laughs> no, it's the truth, because in Lafayette, it came on at 11 a.m., and I had to figure that out. What channel It came on channel 13 at 11 a.m. And so I had a class from 8 to 9, one from 9 to 10, and then I didn't schedule any classes until 2 o'clock because I wanted to make sure I had time to watch Young and the Wrestlers process everything and then go to lunch. <laughs> it's the honest-to-God truth. And what I would do is I would go in my dorm room because, again, I'm a a boy. I'm a man's man. Like, I played basketball. I would hang with the fellas. But I didn't want the fellas to know that I watched Young and the Restless. So I would go in my room and turn off the light and shut the door and lock it. And every day I would be in there at 11 a.m. watching Young and the Restless. Droom, 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 droom. Every day. And so... One day, and I, I, I'll save you the whole story, but one day, you know how the stories are. Somebody got shot on the stories, and I was all emotional about it, but I couldn't tell nobody, and it was a big deal, and, and then the, the person ended up dying, and then all of a sudden I heard somebody running in the hall, and I couldn't believe what the, they were making noise because I was in here mourning the death of this person on the TV, and, and and all of a sudden I opened my door, and I couldn't hear what this guy was saying as he was running by and he ran by, and he said, oh, Lord, Rex is dead. Lord, Rex is dead. <laughs> this is the truth. This is the truth. I'm going to get to the word, but I'm going somewhere with this. said, Rex is dead. And I said, oh, my gosh, I can't believe he's doing it. Then he started knocking on other guys' doors in the dorm, and he started saying, Rex is dead. And I'm telling you, I live with thugs. I live with athletes. <laughs> and I just knew he was going to get beat up. I just knew it. And all of a sudden, these guys start coming out, and they start going, man, I can't believe Rick's dead, man. I come to find out just about everybody on my hall had been watching Young and the Restless. <laughs> this is the truth. So we all come out in the commons area and kind of talk about it, right? And I was like, my goodness. But it goes to show that sometimes what you're doing behind closed doors, you think nobody else Knows what you're doing, but other people are doing it too. Yeah. And it made me think about what matters is what holds on behind closed doors. Matthew chapter 6, if you got that in your Bible, you say, all right, finally get to the word, pastor. Matthew chapter 6, this is what Jesus said. It's in red. It says, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone else can see them. I'll tell you the truth that it is all the reward they will ever get. Verse 6. But when you pray, go away by yourself. What does it say? It says, shut the door behind you. And pray to your father in private. Then your father who sees everything will reward you. So what, what matters is what happens behind closed doors. You know, if you think about Jesus, everybody sees, sees Jesus' public, um, public ministry. Everybody sees it. Man, you couldn't get around Jesus and your life not be changed. I mean, when Jesus showed up, demons began to cry out. When Jesus showed up, people got healed. Everybody got healed. When Jesus showed up, bread and fish began to multiply. When Jesus showed up, man, things would change. The whole atmosphere would change because Jesus was on the scene. And everybody was very enamored by his public ministry. But most people don't really realize it was his private ministry that impacted his public ministry. It's who he was behind closed doors made him who he was in front of everybody else. You know, the Lord began to deal with me about this because just as I grew up in ministry, I started to realize, I started to think because I was around church a lot. My parents were saved. They loved the Lord. And I've been around church and I've seen a lot of people who could do get in church and act a certain way, but be different behind the scenes. And what I began to realize as I grew up that God was not calling for somebody just to look good and to stand in front of the synagogue and act a certain way. What he cared about is what you did behind closed doors. Mm. And so I began to think about this, and I began to think, you know what? Let's look into the life of Jesus and begin to see what was going on in his life behind closed doors that impacted his ministry. Now, The first thing, and this is my first point for you today, you can write this down, that character is developed behind closed doors. Character is developed behind closed doors. You know, you think about Jesus, and we don't see a lot of, we don't see how Jesus grew up until he was about 12. That's the first time we kind of see it. We don't see an eight-year-old Jesus. We don't see a six-year-old Jesus, a kindergarten Jesus. We don't see any of that. We see him at 12, going to Jerusalem and being in the synagogue teaching. Am I right? Y'all know the story. I don't need to read that. Y'all are church people. And, and and so he's in the synagogue, and all of the family decide that they're going to leave. It's time to go. And they get about halfway down the journey and begin to realize that they, we have lost Jesus. Now, can we just pause for a moment? How did we lose Jesus? Okay. You can lose John, okay? You can lose James, that's fine. Don't lose the son of God. <laughs> like if anybody, somebody should have been like, hey, somebody find Jesus. Keep him close right here. But they lost Jesus. And all of a sudden they have to go back and they get Jesus. And mom kind of rebukes them and says, you need to come with me and you need to stay with me. And you know what I learned there is that Jesus, as a 12-year-old kid, he submitted to his mother at that moment. You know what? He could have said, oh, well, you know you know who I am, right? You know I am the son of God. And he tried to say, I'm about my father's business, and that was what he was about. But what did he do? He left and he went with them. And the Bible says he grew in wisdom and in stature. What was the Lord, what was going on in that 12-year-old Jesus who was all man and all God? His character was being developed. His character was being developed. He was behind the scenes. If I was to act like this chair is behind closed doors, this was the, this was the moment when nobody knew about who Jesus was. It was 12-year-old Jesus when he was, when he was being corrected by his mom. And he could have rebelled, but he, he understood, you know what, I need to submit and I need to obey. And this is how my character is being developed. Then there was a moment we don't see anything from Jesus from the age of 12 till he was 30. What is that? That's behind closed doors. Nobody knows about 13-year-old Jesus a 17-year-old Jesus a 22-year-old Jesus. Nobody knows about that. All we know is that he was a carpenter's son. Where was he? Behind closed doors. He was learning a trade. He was bringing lumber to his dad to help him be a carpenter. He was learning how to, how to saw, how to nail, how to put some things together. He was learning how to do some things. Where was he? Was he healing anybody during that time? No, he was behind the scenes. And what was happening in that moment, character was being developed. And see, for some of us in this room, you feel like maybe I'm behind the scenes right there. Nobody really sees what's going on in my life. Maybe my boss don't see me. Maybe it seems like my pastor don't see me. Maybe whatever, but that's okay because you need to stay behind the scenes sometimes because the Lord is doing something in your life. I thank God for those moments when I was behind closed doors because things were being worked on me, and that's what was happening with Jesus. And that's the reason why when... He became 30 and the Bible says, you guys know, when he came to the wedding of Cana and they ran out of wine and then all of a sudden they brought some, some water out there and, and, and Mary said, okay, do whatever he tells you to do. And he said, it's not my time yet. And Mary was like, yeah, mm-hmm, I hear that. Go ahead and put that water out there and let's see you do something. That's the reason why he had enough character and obedience and submission to do what his mom told him to do. Come on, you catching this? This was his first miracle is it was just out of obedience to his mother. But it was because he learned character development behind closed doors. Are you guys catching what I'm saying here? See, that first miracle was was clearly just out of obedience to his earthly mother. But it was because his character had been developed and, you know, for some of us, there are things in our life, and, and, and the Lord's doing some stuff. He's working on some areas in your character, and it's because he's trying to take you somewhere. And I want to encourage you, don't resist character development in your life. Listen, when somebody's trying to help you and correct you and teach you something, don't resist it. You know, as a young kid, we often are trying to throw that stuff off, but as we get older, you start to realize, you know, mom and dad made sense. You know what? I'm thankful for the things that they didn't let me do. Right? It's important. You know, I remember one time I was single, and I went to, I told you I'm going to tell a lot of stories about myself. I went to the grocery store, and I was going to run in and grab something real quick. Just uh, real quick. Just run in and grab something. It's not going to be long. And I just, whoop, just turned right on into the handicapped parking spot. Just pulled in because it's close. You know, there was a lot of cars out there. I just need to run in real quick and grab something. And I wasn't going to be long. And I remember I got out my car and was heading in. And this lady, I don't know who this lady was. But this lady said, "Uh, excuse me, sir. I said, me? She said, yeah, you. She said, are you handicapped? I said, no, ma'am. She said, when you get yourself back in that car and you pull out that handicapped spot and you leave it open for somebody who is. I said, all right, then. I got in the car and I backed out. Because it's, even though she called me out, she was right. And what was she doing? Helping some, develop some character in my life. And you know what? I, since then, that was years ago. That was like 20, 30 years ago. I hadn't even parked next to a handicapped spot <laughs> ever since. I'm not even close to one. You know why? Because some character was developed in my life. What she taught me was that, you don't know, always need to take the shortcut. Come on now. Like, like when something is, is right, do what's right. Because it's right. See, that's what that lady taught me. I've never seen that lady ever again. But she taught me something. She helped develop, develop my character. When did she do that? When I was behind closed doors. It wasn't when I had a mic in my hand, it was when I was a, a young man and the Lord was developing my character. Because he knew that he would put me in places that I needed character to, to sustain me in those places. Yeah. Part of the reason why Pastor Mario was talking about loyalty and faith, but the only thing that's kept me in this thing for so long is because the Lord has developed my character to be able to stay in it this long. You guys catching what I'm saying? Like, he's working on and he's constantly developing my character. That's why when people talk to me about their marriage and they say, well, she's telling me that I'm this. Well, the Lord's using her to develop your character, sir. <laughs> that's, what she, that's what the Lord's doing. But I don't like when she tells me this. I don't like when he tells me that. Yeah, let the Lord develop your character because it will make you a better person. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. There is a couple in leadership. There was a couple in, that's that's in our leadership even right now. And i just we just had to kind of sit them down because they've been walking through some marriage issues. And part of the thing was is that I found out is that they would used to come to church and they would hold hands and smile and they would act like everything was okay. It was like, man, what a great couple. What an amazing couple. Thank God this couple is here. But then one day, she stopped coming to church. And we started noticing, and I remember asking the guy, I said, man, what's going on with your wife? Why is she not coming to church? And he started making up this stuff. Well, bro, she got some stuff. Pray for her, you know. But then when we called him in and we had a meeting with him, what we started finding out was that he was really the issue. He was talking crazy to her back at home. He was making her feel bad back at home, and he was verbally abusing her back at home, but would tell her, come to church and hold my hand and smile. And so what happened was she got tired of putting on a show. She said, I'm not going up there and faking it any longer. See, what was going on behind closed doors all of a sudden got exposed. You guys catching what I'm saying? So it matters what happens behind closed doors. Allow the Lord to to develop your character. The second thing that happens behind closed doors is that battles are won and lost behind closed doors. Before Jesus stepped into ministry, even before the wedding of Cana, the Bible clearly talks about when he was tempted in the wilderness. To me, this is a behind-closed-door moment because there was nobody else around, but it was just him and Satan. And he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, no food, no water, in a place where he could have made some decisions that really would have impacted what he did. And he was tempted With the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. All three of those things he was tempted with. But what mattered is what he did when he was in the wilderness. How he used the word of God and he won that battle in the wilderness. And because he won that battle in the wilderness, it impacted his ministry to move further on. Are you guys catching what I'm saying? See, there are some battles that some of you have been fighting and you've been fighting it by yourself. There's some things that the enemy's been throwing at you, and nobody else knows about it. Some of those battles you've been dealing with at 2 a.m. in the morning, and the enemy's been trying to, trying to see if you're going to win, and God is trying to see if you're going to win. And I'm telling you, you've got to win those battles when nobody else is looking. You've got to turn that phone off. You've got to do whatever it takes to win that battle. I've been working with a guy, he's been battling with stuff, looking at inappropriate images on the phone. And I said, you know what you need to do? And this guy's mad. I said, you know what you need to do? You need to turn off your phone and give it to your wife. And tell her, don't give you the phone back until in the morning time. Until you get in the car. And you know what? He's been winning the battle. He's been winning it. Why? And it and, and, and matters because he's in ministry and he has got to win that battle. Some of you have been de- battling depression, and I know de- depression is real. Fear is real. Anxi- is real. Anxiety is real. I'm not saying that it's not real, but it's in those moments when it seems like there's nobody else to call. It's in those moments you've got to make a decision. Am I going to pop these pills? Am I going to go and get the bottle? Am I going to look at these things that I shouldn't be looking at? Am I going to call that person when nobody else is around? And I know I shouldn't be calling. Come on now. It's what you do when nobody else is around. Look, when you come to church on Sunday, everybody's holy on Sunday. Come on, we're about as holy as we're going to ever be right now. Oh, we hallelujah and amen and glory to God and just all of it, right? We're speaking in tongues and everything. But it's, it's not on Sunday that it matters. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's what you do Tuesday morning at 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's, it's what, what's going on behind closed doors. That's when the battle is won or lost. See? And God is seeing, can those things happen? Humility is developed behind closed doors. That's when you win the battle. You know, I think about Joseph. There are many times we all look at when Joseph obviously saved Israel by by bringing his family in and, and, and all of that kind of stuff and doing all of what he did in Egypt. But boy, it was when he was in jail. It's when he was at Potiphar's house. When Potiphar wasn't there and he could have been with that lady, but he didn't. And he ran away. It was those things. And the Bible clearly states in Psalms, yes, he received a dream when he was 13. He didn't get to the dream being fulfilled until he was 30. Why? Because his character was being developed behind closed doors. That's what the pit was. That's what Potiphar's house was. That's what the prison was because it was preparing him for the palace was trying to get him to a place because when I get you there, God may be trying to bring you somewhere that you need to have things won in your life. And you can't be fighting old devils when you, God is putting you in a new place. Come on, am I making sense in here this morning? Boy, I'm preaching right now. We've got to win those battles. And for some of you, you've been in a battle, and I want to encourage you today, don't give up. There's somebody watching online. Don't give up in the battle. Don't give up in the battle. You know, our flesh, our flesh wants to give up, though. That's why you have to win it because, see, our flesh is like a car. You know, I had a car. Again, just me talking about myself again. I had a car when I was single, and this car, it was out of alignment. And I'm talking about it, it wasn't just out of a life. I'm talking about, like, you drive down the road, and you take your hands off the wheel, it just goes to the right. Just bad. Just mm, mm, just all the time. It was so bad one time, I was driving down Harding Boulevard. Y'all know where Harding is at. I was driving down Harding Boulevard, and, and this guy kind of flagged me down and told me to roll my window down. And I rolled the window down, and he said, hey, do you know your car is going sideways down the road? <laughs> True story. It was that bad out of alignment. And I was like, you know, I think I need to get this fixed. I just didn't have the money to. I was broke, and that was the problem. But you know, it's so crazy because a lot of times people will be out of alignment with the Word of God. And what your flesh always wants to do is your flesh wants to get out of alignment. You can come to church today, hear a word like you heard today. And we go, man, I want to serve God. You wake up in the morning and you know what? Your flesh just wants to get right out of alignment. Just whoop, there it is, just off. You're like, where did that come from? It's your flesh. And that's why you have to crucify your flesh every day and win the battle over your flesh and over your mind every single day. I'm standing here preaching to to you today as someone who is fighting the good fight of faith. That's why Paul talks about that, because I have to win the battle every day, right? I had to win it this morning. I had to win it this morning. I had to put on some worship because the enemy tried to attack my mind. I said, I'm not going to get up here and preach to these people about what goes on behind closed doors. I'm doing foolishness behind closed doors, right? I have to win the battle. That's so Important. You know, what religion is, is when you start acting one way in front of people, but are, are not ha- but don't have relationship with God outside of it. And we have to be careful not to become religious people, because there are a lot of people who do that. And God has said, I'm looking for real relationship with people, but we have to win the battle. And where do we win them? Behind closed doors. The third thing, this is my last point. You wonder how long I was going to preach. This is it right here. The third thing that happens behind closed doors is that God gives you the power to change the world around you. The power to change the world around you. Before Jesus ever hung on a cross in front of everybody, before he ever went to the whipping post, before he ever stood with Pilate as they yelled, crucify him. Before he ever reached that moment, he went to a place in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this was a behind-closed-door moment. And we got an opportunity to, to see it in the Word of God. Yes, he brought Peter, James, and John with him. But he told them, stay here while I go there. Am I right? Yeah. And so he brought them to the garden, but then he went a little bit further where it was just him and it was the father. And his humanity came out. He says, if there's any other way for this to happen, Lord, let let, let, let there be some other way for it to happen. And he got to a place where he he he. you could tell that he was thinking to himself, Lord, if we could do anything else. But then all of a sudden, this power came up on the inside of him. And he said these words, not my will, but your will be done. And it was in that closed-door moment, when nobody else was around. And he went out, the Bible says he prayed three times, but after that third time, he got up. And you know what? He was determined to go to the cross. There was no stopping him. There was no stopping Jesus from getting to that cross and and being a sacrifice for all of us. But where did it happen? Behind closed doors. And you know what the Bible says? They beat him. They beat him to to his intestines was, was showing. And many people died on the whipping post, but he wouldn't die on the whipping post because that's not where he was supposed to die. He wouldn't die when they put the crown on his head. He wouldn't die when they spit on him and, and talked about him. He wouldn't give up. He kept going all the way to the cross because there was a power on the inside of him that said, I've got to get all the way there because I will be a sacrifice. There are people who need my blood shed. He went all the way there because it all happened when he was in the garden. When he was behind closed doors, something came on him. You know, I believe in this room there are some people that the Lord wants to get you in a garden of Gethsemane moment. And the reason why he's been working on you, the reason why he's been doing things is because he wants to give you the power to change your world around you. You have the power to change your world around you. You have power to change the the neighborhood around you. You have power to change your family that's around you. I was at a funeral, my God, I was at a funeral last week in San Antonio. And I sat there and I watched a man that they honored. He was a pastor of a church church. But he wasn't born a pastor. He was a drug lord. He he ran nightclubs, but he got saved. And that man got saved, and he won all of his brothers and sisters to the Lord. He had six other brothers and sisters. He won all of them to the Lord. He won his whole family to the Lord. Now his grandkids, his great-grandkids, everybody are serving the Lord because of that one man. Because of one decision he made, he had the power to change the whole world around him. And I'm talking about he wasn't just dealing a little side joke. I mean, this guy was dealing with the cartel, and he gave it all up to serve Jesus. And he never looked back because there was power on the inside of him to change his entire world. And God wants to place a power on the inside of you to change your world. Some people say, well, you know what, Uh, I've always grown up in poverty and that's what my life is going to be because that's what it's always been. No, there's a power on the inside of you to change your world around you. You don't have to live in poverty. You guys catching what I'm saying? Right? You don't have to live depressed. You don't have to stay on. There's a power on the inside of you to change your world around you. You just got to get in those moments when, you, when God begins to pray and does stuff in you and starts to deal with you. You got to allow him to do it in, on the inside of you. Yeah. Yeah. This is the last story I tell. One, I remember one moment. I was in my apartment getting a single guy. And I remember I just, for two hours I began to cry. And if you know me, I'm not a crier. I'm not one of the people that just tear up for anything. Like, it takes a lot for me to cry. And for some reason, I started weeping, and I could not stop weeping. I mean, I just could not stop. For two hours, there was nothing happening. I wasn't thinking about anything. There was nothing sad happening. It just, all of a sudden, I just started weeping, and I could not stop. I was wondering what in the world is going on. I began to realize God was doing something in me. And the reason why I'm so passionate about this whole religion and relationship and all that kind of stuff is because what God was showing me was that I had gotten off into religion. Because I knew how to clap my hands and how to how to lift my hands when it was time, but I didn't have a relationship with him. I had just learned how to do church. And God was saying, I'm not satisfied with you just doing church. I want a relationship with you. And he started bringing me back into alignment. When did that happen? Behind closed doors. What he was doing was he was preparing me for where I was going. He was giving me power on the inside of me to overcome. Look, I'm closing my Bible. I'm done. Some of us feel like we give in to the enemy when he throws stuff at us. And we just say, well, you know, I'll never get over this stuff right here. I'll always be like this. This is just where my life has been. You know, my grandfather was like this. My father was like this. So, clearly, this is just going to be the way I am. But I came here to Mobile, Alabama to tell you God's putting the power on the inside of you to overcome anything. You can be different because greater is He that's on the inside of me than He that's in the world. You have the power. Where does it come from? It comes from what happens behind closed doors. So I want to pray for you. I want to pray that the Lord begins to deal with you. Some of you, he's already been dealing with you. You had not even understood what's been going on. But maybe this little black, bald-headed guy just came here to tell you, oh, okay, now I see what's going on. I get it. I get it. He's been working on me. He's been dealing with me. It's because he's bringing me somewhere. Boy, I can't wait to see where he brings you. Come on, can you bow your head and close your eyes? Mm. I feel his presence right now. Well, there's somebody watching online right now. The presence of God is just, just entering in your living room or wherever you're watching right now. The Lord's dealing with you. And maybe it's your character that's being developed. Let him do it. Let him work on you. He's making you a better person. Maybe it's a battle that you've been in. I believe there's some people in this room, you've been in a battle. And the Lord's just working on you and trying to help you win that battle because he's bringing you something. There are some people in this room The Lord's been trying to give you the power to overcome it. Whatever it is, and the power to change your world around you, let him do it. Let him do it. Father, I thank you for what you're doing here at New Life Church in Mobile. God, there are moments on Wednesday nights when people are up here praying and nobody else sees it. And sometimes it feels like it doesn't matter, but God, you're doing something in here. You're starting a revival in here that one one day people are gonna take note of. God, there are moments where people pray and when they give and it seems like it doesn't really matter, but God, you see it. And you're a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. God, I pray right now, every moment that happens behind closed doors, God, I pray that it matters. God, I pray that we would be the people of God that you called us to be. Thank you for what you do, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. You can bow your head and close your eyes one more time and I just want to give one final invitation, that's for anyone that wants to make the decision to follow God. You know, the word, it was very clear this morning and I don't have to add on to it and I just want to give you this opportunity because this is your moment right now. You know if you're in right relationship with the Lord or not and I want to give you an opportunity before you walk out of this building today, you watching online, you as well, if you want to come into right relationship with the Lord, again, the word was crystal clear today. If that's you and you want to come into right relationship with the Lord, I want to pray with you. And with no one looking around, this is a moment just between you and the Lord. I want you to lift your hands and I want to pray for you. You want to come into right relationship with the Lord, I want to pray with you. Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. Is there anyone else? I want to come into right relationship with the Lord this morning. I want to pray for you. I see your hand. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask everyone just to place their hand over their heart. And I want everyone just to repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this moment that I surrender my life to you. I thank you for your mercy and your grace and your blood that was shed to forgive my sin. Jesus, I love you. I will serve you and follow you all the days of my life. And I thank you for the moments that we will have behind closed doors when you will speak to my heart, when you will develop my character. Give me the strength to overcome battles in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning for those that made the decision to follow Christ. And I just want to be the first person to say you congratulations. That is the greatest decision that you will ever make is to follow the Lord. And there's one thing that I want you to do if you made that decision. In the seat back in front of you, there's a card that says, let's connect. On the back, it says, I made a decision. I want you to fill that card out. And during our offering time, you could drop that in the bucket. We would love to pray with you, connect with you. If you're watching online, let us know that you made that decision. Uh, You can email us at info at newlifemobile.org. we love to pray with you and hear what God did in your heart in that moment. But come on, let's give it up one more time for those that made a decision to follow Christ. You wanna come on up? And we're about to dismiss from you guys online, Uh, but in a moment, uh, we're gonna continue our service, but we're gonna dismiss from uh, you guys online. And for those that are prepared to give online, we wanna give you an opportunity to do so. There's a couple ways that you could do it. You could go to our website, which is newlifemobile.org, Or you could go to uh, download our app, and you can give on our app as well. But we're going to pray for those online, and then you guys are dismissed. Lord, I thank you for those that are prepared to give online. I pray that you bless them. For those that gave their heart to the Lord, I pray that you would continue, Lord God, to move in their heart and draw them to community. I pray right now that you meet all their needs. Be with them. Bless them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for tuning in with us online. We'd love to invite you out to prayer this Wednesday at 6.30, but also join us next Sunday at 10 a.m. We love to see you in the building. You guys have a great, great, great Sunday. Thanks for tuning in with us this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, we usually don't have touch this long, but because it's a special occasion, we can never let you go without um, highlighting our elders.